Well, almost seven years ago now, I got an email from Steve Vanderhill, who was my boss at the time at Redeemer Seminary, uh, notifying our staff there at the seminary that uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Austin was looking for preachers uh, after the departure of David Cassidy. I didn't know anything about you guys at that time, uh, but I was eager for opportunities to preach uh, since I was working at the seminary down in San Antonio, so I jumped at the offer. Uh, and it was at that point that I got to meet George and got to work together with Jack on a regular basis. Uh, and after two years of driving up uh, here about every month to preach uh, and worship with you all, I had the privilege to join the staff here full-time under Eric's leadership about four and a half years ago. We are grateful for the time that we've been able to serve with you all here in Austin. Uh, we have grown, we have learned a lot from all of you, uh, but the time has come for us to move on to the next season of ministry that the Lord has for us, and I promise that this week I'll be able to share more about that. You've all been very patient. As I've talked with many of you guys over the past several weeks, uh, you guys have captured well the mix of emotions that come in situations like this. You've expressed your sadness at our departure, which makes me feel good in some ways. But you've also expressed your joy and encouragement and, and even excitement with us as we step into this next chapter. Goodbyes are hard and complicated, and uh, even under the best of circumstances they are. But for Christians, goodbyes can be different. And they're not different just because, as we say, we'll see each other in heaven, hopefully before then as well. But that's, that's true, but there are truths that are, that are real even now, today, that enable us as Christians to think differently about moments like these. And this morning, I want to leave you with three of those truths, three truths that, that enable us to say goodbye well that Paul uh, has for us here in this opening chapter of Philippians. I uh, chose this passage uh, because Paul's relationship to the Philippians is similar in some ways to uh, my relationship to you guys. Uh, Paul was in Philippi three different times over the course of about ten years, and so he knew the church well, and, but his contact with them, at, at least at first, like mine, was sort of periodic uh, instead of regular for a long time. And as he's writing this letter, he is preparing to visit them again, but he wants to encourage them in the meantime because uh, in the recent past, he's, they've learned that he has been put in prison. And they're worried about him, and uh, they're worried about what that might mean for their own ministry. Now, I'm not going to prison. <laughs> yet, at least. <laughs> but like Paul and the Philippians, after seven years together, our relationship will change as we say goodbye for now. And I want Paul's encouragement to his friends here to be my encouragement to you as we seek to say goodbye well. So three truths that enable us to say goodbye well. The first is, we can say goodbye well because you are being prayed for. Being prayed for. Paul begins this letter to the Philippians with a report of his prayers for them. He wants them to know that even though he's writing from prison far away in Rome, that he continues not only to remember them fondly, but also to pray for them regularly. Notice what he says about his prayers. He prays regularly. In verse 4, he says, I always, in every prayer of mine, for you all. He prays broadly. Again and again, he uses this phrase that we would say, y'all. I'm praying for all of you. 
not my favorites, not, the, not just the leaders, but, but the whole church. I'm praying for all of you. And notice that his prayer is full of both thanksgiving for them and also petition for them. He wants to give God thanks. He does give God thanks for all the things that he's enjoyed and that he's seen from them, but he also wants more for them, and so he prays for them regularly to, for God to give them those things. In verse 3, he thanks God for the fellowship of the gospel that he has with the Philippians. In verse 9, he reminds them that he will continue to pray for their spiritual well-being, their love for one another, and their knowledge and their discernment. Why does he want them to know that he's praying for them? Isn't that just something we say as Christians? I'll, I'll be praying for you. And then yet we walk away from our friends that we say that to and we think, boy, you know, I wish I could really do something helpful to, for them. All I can do is pray, is a phrase we use all the time. But Paul recognizes that locked up in prison, praying is the very best thing that he could do for them because ultimately their success in the Christian life doesn't depend upon him. It depends upon God, and so he lifts them up regularly to God who is working in them and through them. And so as we transition away from Redeemer, I want you to know that I share Paul's commitment to continue to pray for this church. I'll give thanks for you. I'll give thanks for your love for God's truth. Uh, there are few churches that I know that love God's Word more than Redeemer. Uh, one of the most encouraging things a pastor can hear are uh, those thoughtful comments uh, that you make after a sermon. And not just like, hey, good, good sermon, pastor, but those thoughtful comments and say, something you said changed the way that I thought about this or changed my action in some particular way. And uh, you guys were regularly uh, encouraging me in that way, both comments after the service, between services, or emails that you'd send, and virtually all of them were positive. Bob Phillips, I think, was the only one that, uh, <laughs> that gave me a hard time. But I'd take more of it to have him here today. So I'll give thanks for your love for God's Word. I'll give thanks for your heart of service. Uh, one of my main responsibilities here has uh, been to help us engage the community around us. And while that community is rapidly changing before our eyes, I know that many of you share that same burden to reach your neighbors with the gospel. I'll have fond memories of the two ways to live evangelism class I taught early on here with the group of eager evangelists and how we learned to share the gospel by drawing pictures uh, for each other. I'll give thanks for our efforts at getting ESL started and then restarted and then changed again and again to meet the growing needs around our church, for translating our sermons into Kenya, Rwanda, uh, for our African worship services, and then for the quiet thousands of unseen acts of service that go on every day, week in and week out here at the church. I'll give thanks for my faithful partners on the staff, for Kathy, Carol, George, Marcus, and Dan. I'll give thanks for the ways you made my work smoother and easier and infinitely more fruitful than it ever would have been otherwise. Eric, I'll give thanks for you. Paul uses the word joy many times in this epistle to describe his work, and you've been a model of the kind of faithful and joyful leadership that I hope to emulate. Thank you. And I will continue to pray for your progress in the gospel, for the elders, for the deacons, for small group leaders, for staff counselors, and all the everyday servants 
who worship and disciple and love the saints. In particular, one of my biggest prayers for you as a church will be for this church to be a light for the gospel to the many hundreds or thousands that are, going to be, that are currently planning to move into this neighborhood right here and right there and right here. We'll pray that he will both give you a heart and opportunities to meet them with the gospel. And I know that God will answer that prayer because those are the prayers that God loves to answer. And so take advantage of those opportunities when he answers those prayers, friends. So we can say goodbye first because we will be united in prayer. I will continue to pray for you. But the second reason that we can say goodbye well is because we are partners in the gospel. Uh, We can say goodbye well because we remain partners in the gospel. In verse 5, Paul says that one of the main reasons he gives thanks for uh, the Philippians with joy so regularly is because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Again, this is 10 years after he's met them, and he's saying, look, I, I think back to the first day that I was with you, and I'm thinking all the way through until now, and I'm giving thanks because we have this fellowship, this koinonia in the gospel together. And that word uh, partnership has a, a number of different layers to it. First, they financially supported Paul uh, throughout his missionary journeys, and so there was a very practical sense in which they were partners in the gospel. Uh, but it also refers to the fact that their support for him and, uh, went way beyond just the financial support. They loved him. They had a deep personal concern for his well-being. At some point before he wrote this letter, they even sent one of their own leaders, Epaphroditus, all the way to Rome to check in on Paul, to bring him resources, and to see how he was doing because they were worried about it. And Paul loved them. In verse 7, he uses that wonderful phrase. He said, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? I hold you in my heart, he says. In other words, Paul and the Philippians shared both affection and resources for one another for the sake of the gospel. And that ongoing relationship is what compels them to pray for them. Pray for them. I'm thankful for the many ways that we've been able to partner together in the gospel. You guys have cared for our family so well, practically and spiritually, over the last seven years. And perhaps uh, as in 10, 20 years, as I look back on this time in our life, the most vivid uh, memories that I will have of us partnering together is trying to do church during COVID. The pandemic raised all these questions that uh, you and I never anticipated. But as uh, Eric and I often swap stories about our uh, talking to colleagues around the country and around the world about the stories of their churches during the last two years, And I heard horror story after horror story, divided leadership, angry members, deep conflicts over how to deal with it all. But I can say that I was so proud to be a pastor of this church during this season, because in some ways I couldn't sympathize with my friends. We certainly weren't perfect in the ways that we handled it, but we partnered together in affection and practical ways engaged over a computer screen to try to shepherd people, (laughs) making phone calls through the directory to check in on everybody to see how they were doing. We continued to worship God together, to continue to love one another and provide for the physical needs of our people during an unprecedented time, and it made me so proud to serve together with you guys during this season. 
I'm thankful for the partnership in the gospel that I've been able to share with our African brothers and sisters that God provided us here several years ago. Uh, unfortunately, Tresor, we weren't able to partner together in our dancing abilities during our worship services, but your love for Christ and His church that you have shown through significant trials has been an example to me, and I'm proud to be your partner in the gospel. Uh, and even though the shape of our partnership will change as we leave in terms of frequency and physical connection, we will continue to partner in the great work of God's kingdom. Paul reminds the Philippians that uh, in this next verse, right after his passage, of how even being put in prison had served to advance the gospel because he now had new opportunities to share the gospel with people uh, that were in prison around him and even the prison guards. And, and, the, and the gospel had even gone forth throughout through this un, un, unforeseen event. And as we move forward into new seasons of our lives and ministries, we will continue to partner in this great work of making Jesus known. So we can say goodbye well as believers because we pray for one another, and secondly, because we are partners in the gospel and will remain partners in the gospel. But finally, there's one final truth that I want us to see this morning, and that is that we can say goodbye well because we are all being perfected into the image of Jesus. We are all being perfected into the image of Jesus. And that truth that God is still at work perfecting us for the day of Jesus is a truth that we need in moments like this. Look at, look at verse 6. Paul writes, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ, at the end of history when, when Jesus will return to bring his church home. You see, Paul was afraid that the Philippians might think that his imprisonment had somehow uh, interrupted God's work in their lives, that the gospel had somehow been limited by the fact that the one who helped start their church and who had been part of their lives in some ways was now locked up. And he responds to that potential concern in this way. Look, I I'm not sure of much, but there's one thing I'm sure of. And that is that he who began a good work in you cannot be stopped. Because ultimately it's not me, Paul says, who is responsible for that work. God is at work in you. God is perfecting you. God is preparing you to meet his son face to face on the day that bears his name, the day of Jesus Christ. And nothing can interrupt that work. Nothing can delay it. Nothing can get it off track. And friends, it's, this is important for us to remember in moments like this. It's important for pastors like me to remember that, that God chooses to use people like us for His work. He doesn't need us, but He chooses to use us for His work. But we are merely instruments in the Redeemer's hand, not the Redeemer. And it's important for you to remember the same thing. You have great pastors and elders, faithful lay leaders, gifted teachers, but we are all merely servants of the one who is ultimately doing the work in our lives. Friends, I hope to be back here in Austin one day, and maybe even have the opportunity to preach here again. But these, and just in case these are the last public words you hear from me for a while, I want you to hear this that I'm sure of the very same thing of which Paul is sure. That the work God has begun in you, he will bring to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And I know that 
because the Father sent His Son in the form of a servant, as Paul will say in the next chapter, to humble Himself to the point of death for you, even death on a cross. And because God has given His Son for you, He will not stop giving to you. He won't stop working. He won't give up until the day that He is marked as the end of history when Jesus will come to bring you back. I've had the privilege of walking with all of you through joyful and difficult times over the last seven years. Premarital counseling and weddings, birth of children and the loss of children, struggles with loneliness, marital struggles, deaths, doubts, new jobs, addictions, fearful diagnoses, surgeries, moves, breakups, and reconciliations. And I'm sure of this. God has been hard at work in those moments, and He will continue to do that work in you until it is finally complete in glory. Until then, walk in that reality. Continue to center your life and the life of this church on that good news. Place Christ at the center of all that you do, and know that the prayer of Paul the pastor is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for the great work that you have done and are continuing to do in all of us. Help us as we continue to place ourselves in your hands the Redeemer who is at work and who will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the ways they have ministered to me, shaped me, helped me, and served me way more than I have ever served them. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.